0: So um, I'm Neil Robinson and it's my pleasure to welcome you to this fifth podcast in the series. Um, the the aim is to provide uh, our staff, our professional staff, mainly at the university, um, with access to some of our leaders and, and to hear about some of the university initiatives and context uh, uh, that that uh, that we have going around us. Uh, and my guest today is Alan Tate. Um, Alan is the Vice President Finance and Administration. Have I got that the way right Wrong way around. Administration and finance That's and it. chief operating officer. That's the one. Um, and so, welcome, Alan. Thank you, Neil. Um, and, um, I've, I've known you, I was trying to remember the last or the first time I, I, I met you, but I, I remember conferences down at Cape Shank. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I, that was probably one, and we've been here at the university a similar length of time, I think. Um, but i do remember that that um over beers and things down at, uh, at, <laughs> at Cape, we, we might re- return to the beer uh, issue the later um but that's my <laughs> first remembrance of you and uh, and uh, it, as i say it's a while ago um but um so so tell us a little bit about what chief operating officer means Hmm.
1: No, very good question um so my view on what the Chief Operating Officer means, is it's the role in the organisation that has accountability for uh, the operations of the organisation. They might not have um, direct reporting line responsibilities for all aspects of the operations, and clearly that's uh, the case here, in the sense that at least 40% of our operations are actually carried out in academic, Divisions and there's no direct reporting line um, in in those, uh, but it has a a, a view across the organisation to make sure the operations are uh, effective and as efficient as possible and and aligned to the strategic direction of the
0: of the university. So, so you stepped into this role in January. Yep, and um, and obviously working closely with the vice chancellor. Yep. Duncan Maskell. Yes. So any any kind of um observations that you can share with us about uh, about our new VC? What's he like? Is this just amongst friends? This is it? just amongst friends. Um,
1: so um I thoroughly enjoy working with Duncan. Um I thoroughly enjoyed working with Glenn. Um Glenn and Duncan are different personalities, as you know, is uh, uh often the case. Um Duncan is uh down to earth, authentic, um, very keen to uh, that terrible word empower the the team, his team, to actually get on and do what they're supposed to do. Um, he likes single point accountability. Um, he has uh, some fabulous ideas. He's incredibly smart, but he doesn't think his ideas are necessarily um the the be all and end all he takes advice and um uh he's always on the lookout for that advice and can be persuaded to change his uh his views if um there's a reasonable case to do so so um he is uh uh a great bloke to work with really and that's
0: what i would call him a great bloke good and, and and so he's been here a while and we've we're on this journey of developing the the university's strategy mm-hmm. he's talked a lot about diversity mm-hmm. are there some themes that you can pick out from from the discussions you've had and 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 that kind of strategy thinking mm-hmm. that you can share with us in terms of where, where 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 and what that future might look like
1: sure and you know i'm sure a range of uh of colleagues would have Similar but also different interpretations at this stage as we go through the the process of of developing that strategy. Uh, you mentioned diversity and inclusion. He's passionate about that. There's absolutely no doubt. Um, and he has um, uh, he has a number of areas that he's passionate about, and those I'm sure we will see reflected in the uh, in the new strategy when it emerges towards the end of this year. At, people will be involved, obviously, along the way. Um, so that's definitely one he wants to make a difference is, uh, in, and he sees that as, as a university, as a, as a key thing that we should lead on. Um, I've mentioned the word lead. He also thinks as a very well-credentialed and, and uh, uh, <coughs> globally prominent university, there should be a couple of areas where we are true global leaders. Um, now they have to emerge yet what those areas in particular could be Uh, but he would really like Melbourne to be known not as just a top 40 or a top 30 university in the world but one where there are um, one or two areas where we are the go to place for um, a a particular um, activity or or, um, outcome Um, in sort of Following on from those two themes, um, he's also as has come through in in a number of the the things he has opened or talks he's given he's been incredibly moved by um, the welcome from um, the indigenous population here yeah. and uh, he's got a great interest in that and he actually does see that as a an area where um, the university could make a difference and uh, so again I think we'll see that come through more strongly uh, in various ways. Um, and uh, and on top of that uh, he has a view about students and their role in the university and uh, he sees them as just that, students, but as participants in the university, as a core part of everything we do and they should be involved in everything we do. Um, So um, student participation, student life, student experience, uh, students at the heart are all phrases that have been used and I think will continue to be used and um, uh, we will see uh, much more involvement and participation along the way and a student voice even stronger than it
0: is now. So, so some of those themes sort of frame the strategic directions for the university. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we yep. um, contribute um, from an operations point of view? How mm-hmm. do we support the realization of, of some of those goals? And and perhaps that that provides you with a, an opportunity to talk about your vision for mm-hmm. for um, operations for the university and fr- from your vantage point. Yep.
1: Uh, well, I think the first thing to acknowledge is that we um, are coming off a very strong base. So um, we've got terrific operations, um, but we're at a, what I, I would call a natural inflection point in the business cycle. So you've mentioned the strategy, so we're just about to, yeah. you know, this yep. year come, uh, come forward with a, a strategy out to 2030, um, and that'll have um, uh, themes in it and some new areas of priority. So we need to set ourselves up to be able to deliver on that. Um, but Duncan's very clear about that strong foundation and, um, indeed in his email to all staff, um, in January, I think it was when he announced the, some of the portfolio changes, uh, he was clear that, um, he wanted us to build on that. And, uh, and my take on that and my interpretation of that is that, um, We need to take all the good things that have been done and we need to take our operations to the next level. Now, when I say the next level, I mean in terms of quality, in terms of um, alignment with that strategy, um, in terms of effectiveness, in terms of efficiency. So, a broad next level, um, but uh, um, really picking up on one of the themes, for instance, that has been around and was a, a I think a particular theme from University Services about, you know, being a leader in the sector in providing operations and indeed being um, right up there with global best practice in terms of you know, industry-wide, not just the sector. So, um, the, a good a good uh, indication from Duncan has also been around operations that he sees them as critical to the core purpose of the university. Um, if you think of uh, students and student services and support and recruitment. If you think of research, innovation and commercialisation, you think of property, uh, you think of a whole range of operations. They are critical. And so he sees um, uh, the the operations and the professional staff as integral to the success of the university and uh, is prepared to invest in taking it to the next level.
0: One of the things I often talk about and reflect on is is the breadth of of operations that mm. we have, and yep. um, and the number of kind of visitors that we have to campus. Uh, constantly, people taking photos of the buildings and, and, and yeah. how spectacular some of them are, but all the the landscaping as well and things like that. We have a really rich. Um, um, footprint um, that 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 stands out for for others, and I'm I'm always uh, uh, you know heartened, amazed, feel great when when others comment on that. Mm. I think last weekend, seeing the opening of the new <coughs> Melbourne Conservatorium of Music again, you, you saw that real groundswell, that sense of ownership by the community of this new facility, and and how that became part of our our culture. Mm. Um, so it's it's really good to hear. That, that, that sense of importance that all of these things contribute yeah. to the realisation of, of yep. the
1: vision. Absolutely, and, and the vision can't be realised without all of those things being um, first class and, and aligned with the brand Melbourne as being a world class um, uh,
0: university. So at the beginning of the year the vice chancellor um, announced some of those portfolio changes that you mentioned. University oh. services came into your portfolio as uh, chief operating officer. It did. Um so what's what's the what's the plan? How 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 are we going to see the future? So I think um for me
1: personally but also I think for the for the for the operations more broadly that presented a great opportunity. So um uh, prior to that occurring, I ran, as you mentioned earlier, administration and finance, uh, and what we've brought together are the core operations of the university that are not delivered in academic divisions. So um, we have to think and have thought about how do we take the uh, <coughs> the university services division and the administration and finance portfolio and... Um, integrate that and align it in a way that will enable us to address those future challenges and opportunities that are, are going to come our way, and they're going to come our way from our own strategy development but also from the, the changing business environment that mm. we face, yeah. the scale of the university, for instance, uh, the competition out there, the globalisation of higher education, all yeah. of those things. Um, so we need to ensure that we organise ourselves in a way that we can um, address the key priorities that fall out of that um, in the most effective way possible. So um, there's a a realignment of my portfolio uh, so that we can do that and also looking at how academic divisions operate so that we align ourselves in the COO portfolio to ensure that we are um, uh, well-connected into the way those academic divisions need to operate and to start to work with them. And I know a lot of work is done with them, but I think we need to, without again getting back to reporting lines, create that community of professional and operational excellence um, so that we can all sort of take the, uh, the ship forward. Um, in the best way possible.
0: And I, I think that that's really um, exciting because I think um, we've, we've all probably experienced in different ways some of the challenges of the interface with yep. other parts of the organisation um, and um, I think anything that can clarify that but also um, support the different players in that sort of broader community um, is, is going to, to make working life a lot easier.
1: Exactly. Um, we've got to remove any obstacles and hurdles as far as possible. I mean, you know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. There's no organisation that's perfect in this, but um, we've got to smooth out as many of those as possible to make um, the day-to-day operations easier to, uh, to deliver and more effective. Um, and I think this is a great opportunity to do that by bringing together two fabulous portfolios, and creating an even stronger one out of those two
0: and and how do you see then that 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 kind of new emerging um, grouping mm-hmm. working with others because um, of course there's still going to be a lot of um, professional staff activity as you mentioned before in academic divisions but but um um, within the strategy and, and culture area, yep. that's led by yep. Julie Wells, and of course, you know, we've got other areas like advancement. So, so any sense of how we can um, make all of that knit together a bit more?
1: Yeah, well, I think again, one of the the opportunities we have is with Duncan having created the COO portfolio, um, where the COO role sits in the organisation, and, and nothing to do with individuals, but the the nature of the role uh, and that role is plugged into council, it's plugged into finance committee, it's plugged into uh, the HR and REM committee. So all the governance of the university it is um, embedded within um, and that gives us the opportunity to lift the operations in the eyes of the governing bodies to a level of uh, significance which um, it certainly deserves and has and um, build up the the, uh, continue to build on the credibility and recognition of that. So I think that's um, that's important. And then when you look at the COO role as part of the Vice-Chancellor Advisory Group, uh, working with those um, other strategic portfolios that you've talked about, um, operations is therefore on a par with all of those strategic portfolios. And the day-to-day working relationship um, already exists on uh, uh, building on that to ensure that that alignment happens. And they are craving that alignment as much as we are from an operational perspective. So there's, a, there's certainly a lot of uh, goodwill there to create that. Um, and we have to be aligned because if they're with the, the, uh, the academic division leaders, the deans, setting the direction for the university, um, we have to ensure that we're delivering the operations and, and providing the operations that are going to actually underpin that. So um, we need to get that right. And then between um, the, uh, the the operational components in the academic divisions and, um, and in uh, the COO portfolio, um, I think we have to think about what mechanisms we can create. And I'm the last person to want to create more and more meetings or committees, but I think we've got an opportunity as we look at Uh, the University Services Board and the Buyers Committees and what they may morph into to get a greater involvement, I think, from the operational leaders in the academic divisions along with the people in the COO portfolio
0: so for those listening um, we, we've we been given instructions we're not allowed to touch the table it's highly yeah. sensitive <laughs> but, but Alan is moving his hands around here um, and I just wanted to give a flavour to, to, to you um, listening to this that um, um, Alan's passion in describing this is, is leading to him waving his hands around which um, when you can't then touch the table is a bit kind of restricting so um, we're, we're both behaving ourselves very carefully here um so so Alan, one of the things that, that uh you kinda of hear around the place is, oh, is this more change? And mm-hmm. and it's as if um um you know, uh, change is, is these one off incidents and steps when in fact what mm-hmm. we're really talking about is evolution and, and how things evolve, which is of course constantly changing constantly yep. adapting constantly adapting to the environment that you're you're talking about yep so um in in the strategy piece so so um is that how you see it that that we're we're, we're on this journey um and uh, we're not there yet but but um this is an opportunity to to take us to that next point yep
1: well is that awful phrase isn't there about the only constant is change yeah, now. It's very hackneyed. <laughs> it's very hackneyed,
0: but it's probably
1: not far from the truth. And um, uh, as we said earlier, uh, when you think of the evolving business environment yeah. and you look at Melbourne is now uh, you know playing in a global field, our competitors are, uh, are global, our students are global, our academic yeah. communities is global, um, research partnerships are global, we doing deals with major corporates that are multinationals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, That is all change, and that moves quite quickly. Um, now, there are some things that come along and, and people think are going to be huge changes and then they don't turn out to be the case. I mean, um, I'm old enough to remember the Y2K uh, oh. <laughs> fiasco when everybody thought the world was going to end. Absolutely. But, uh, and we survived that We survived one. that with, uh, with, with not a lot of drama at all. Um, so, but that still had to be planned for and uh, the risk mitigated and so on. So I do think we are constantly... Dealing with with change and external influences as well as our own internal ones, so we you know we are setting our strategy to reflect the the external challenges and opportunities and 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 the purpose of the university. If, if I go back to your question about Duncan, one thing Duncan is very keen on is establishing a clear purpose for for what the university does and what its role in society and um, uh, uh, the, the public domain is. So th- that'll be interesting to see how we end up describing ourselves going forward as well but um, in terms of the opportunity we have um, know, again one of those hackneyed phrases about with change comes opportunity um, I think that's also true to you know to a certain extent so we have the opportunity now as the as the COO portfolio leadership team and the people within the portfolio to actually shape how we want to deliver those operations and working with our academic division colleagues to, to, to make that work across the university. So um, uh, as I come to the end of my career and I look back and I think if I was starting off in my career, that's a, that's a challenge because um, you know, things change more quickly than they did when I started my career. So, uh, but with that comes the, the opportunity to shape that and to, to, uh, to do things differently.
0: So that was our thirty-minute warning. Yes, apologies so, uh, for that. <laughs> So, uh, but uh, I mean, th- this 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 kind of theme of change and, and how some things change and, and some things stay the same. I was, I, I, I had to get a taxi this morning, and I, I got in the taxi in the city, and I said the university, and he took me to RMIT. <laughs> it's the first time it's happened. It shows that you know we're in a competitive environment. The world is changing. The city yeah. is now you know four million large uh, and so people uh, and so on Uh, and i think that you know um of course as those things change and how we respond to them there there are opportunities that arise from that you've talked about that kind of alignment opportunity i think that's a really significant one for us to to think about moving forward so so i'm i'm really excited to to hear about the future so perhaps you could share um some some of the things that are planned how that might look and Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. So so, what's you, happening?
1: Well, you just reminded me actually, um, just talking about RMIT and the, uh, and the city. But um, one of the things that is changing just back on the change theme is um, and back to the purpose of the university and the role of the university. But the, the role of the university and others, but this one in particular, in the city and in the state is so much more significant now yeah. than it was, yeah. you know, 10 years ago or... Yeah. More and uh, I, I always reflect on um, uh, the comment that Glyn used to make about uh, one of the histories of the university that was written and talked about a place apart, but talked about it in a in a in a, a sort of a proud way. Yeah. Whereas in actual fact, now the university is an integral part of the city and, and the state and. Is not a place apart; has to actually be a uh,
0: engaged, um, engaged,
1: and a, a core part of that. Yeah. Yep, and planning with the city and planning with the state. So um, there's a lot more interaction at that level as well, which is is critical. So um, to the changes then that are um, uh, are underway, um, are you talking structurally or in terms of? Uh, uh, what program of work we might do
0: in the coming months, or maybe maybe first of all start start with the the the, the kind of structural piece mm-hmm. um, because um, I, th- I think other things probably lead yep. on from that.
1: Yep. Okay.
0: So we've spent the last few months
1: um, looking at the range of structural options to going back to what I said earlier about bringing university service in administration and finance portfolios together. Um, how should we best organise ourselves going forward. Um, So we have uh, landed, and uh, with with Duncan's strong support, um, the structure being the COO portfolio. So we are (coughs) no longer going to operate as the administration and finance portfolio of Chancery or the university services portfolio and division. We're going to operate as the COO portfolio. So we're all part of that portfolio, and um, I think that um, is a... uh, it is a a good way of integrating the activities. Um, that doesn't mean we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, because there has been some fabulous things done in in University Services and in the the former Admin and Finance portfolio. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I particularly like the the goal of um, uh, being a leader in operations, and I think there's um, uh, there's strong evidence that that's the case when we look around the world and, and talk to uh, to other universities, people do look to Melbourne um, in the way that it has developed under the Melbourne operating model, so uh, we need to continue to stay ahead of the pack in that regard, not to say we can't learn from others, we can definitely learn from others. Um, uh, the the uh, strong service culture that has been developed, we need to ensure that that is uh, uh, forefront of our minds and, and we keep going with that uh, and developing that. Uh, a range of the values, the value set that was created in university services in particular, I think uh, was a really fabulous piece of work and we need to make sure that we continue to build on that and, and take that forward. Um, so there's a range of things there um, that we need to, uh, to pick up as the COP portfolio uh, and the COO portfolio really as our organising principle. Um, now, one of the things that we're moving away from as well, you um, know, five years into the Melbourne operating model, we had, I think, fallen into by default a description of the Melbourne operating model as being a divisionally centric one, um, and with Chancery and academic divisions and university services. Um, if we go back to the first principles of the, of the Melbourne operating model it, it wasn't about the Melbourne operating structure it was about the way we do how we work, work together yeah that 's right so it really is more of a an integrated and interrelated set of activities and capabilities to deliver on those core strategic um, priorities that uh, that will be set for us so we're moving away from describing it as um, a divisional uh, divisionally centric to being effectively divisionally agnostic and it's about you know setting agendas setting the direction setting the strategy and that is done in many places across the universities not the province of a uh, a few in in uh, in any particular division um, and then as we've discussed and I've mentioned on a number of uh, points throughout this discussion operational excellence and professional excellence is across the university. It's not the province of admin and finance or or university services it, or academic divisions. It's, it's a whole community of um, professional experts that we need to make sure operate um, cohesively. And, of course, then there is the academic performance and excellence that uh, uh, that is delivered across the university as well. So that's the the way I think we need to think about it going forward, and I think that will help us... As we work together, and that alignment, and, and setting the priorities. So, um, so there is a, a a change to the the senior leadership team within the COO portfolio by bringing those um, <coughs> two parts together. Um, and there's um, some roles that are changing, and there's a, a new role in particular around operational performance because um, that's a critical piece of the puzzle, and, and Duncan is particularly uh, keen on seeing us develop in um, service transformation, in, um, uh, in data analytics, in predictive analytics, in our business intelligence, to inform everything we do. So there's, uh, there's a key role for that. Of course, uh, those operations that are directly aligned with the strategically critical parts of the university, our core business, so research, innovation and commercialisation uh, uh, remains key. Um, we will have a different way of thinking about the academic services portfolio in that we will make that student-centric and therefore re- rebadge it as students, uh, uh, student and uh, scholarly services. Again, that speaks to Duncan's passion about students at the heart and student participation and student experience and so forth. Um, And we will create also a business services portfolio, which is your more traditional shared services. So one of the things, or two of the things we're committed to is the Melbourne operating model and and particularly the four pillars that underpin that. And I don't mean pillars in terms of organisational structures or designs, I mean about uh, academic performance, operational excellence, uh, student service and efficiency. So those are the four pillars. They're still core to what we're doing with operations. Um, and um, the other piece is shared services approach, because that is a, a way of uh, of ensuring that the operations across the university are as um, effective as possible. So in the business services grouping, as it uh, uh, it will become, uh we will gather there the more traditional shared service components. Uh, that's not saying that the rest of us and the rest of the uh, portfolios are not shared services. There are elements of shared service and expert advisory and so on and so forth in all of those. Um, we will uh, we will have the traditional finance um, portfolio. It would be remiss of me as a CFO for much of my career to to tinker with that too much um and um we will have uh uh the portfolios around legal and risk um digital and data and um and, and and the remaining so there'll be eight portfolios within the chief operating officer overall
0: portfolio so what you're describing is is much more around the the what we do and how we do it rather than yep. the structure of how we organize ourselves correct because I think if we can kind of keep focused on that and focused on the experience that students have from the services that they receive from us, our academic colleagues and the experience they have from the services that they receive from us, the yeah. community more broadly and its interaction of yeah. of uh, the services that we offer. I think if we stay focused on that, then all of those structural questions, all of those things start to... Yeah to somehow fall away.
1: And in, in a sense, we've simplified that structure. Yeah. So it is now, I think, more... It, it's it's easier to see how those interactions can happen because we haven't done it on a divisional... Yeah. ..a, a separate divisional basis. Um, so that's simplified and clarified, I think, and, um, and that'll enable... Um, people to get on and do the things that they need to do, rather rather than worrying about which division they sit in or is that their responsibility or not. And and one thing we will make clear throughout, which is, as I said earlier on, one of Duncan's um, clear clear, um, traits is that accountability,
0: making it clear who is accountable and trusting them to get on and deliver. So, it would be remiss of me not to to ask you, and, and ask you very directly. Yes. So, no university services? There's no university services division going forward, correct?
1: There's no head of university services going forward. It's the COO portfolio.
0: And and so, you know, following up from that, what did we do wrong?
1: Absolutely nothing. Um, as I said before, we're five years into the, the operating model. It's that natural inflection point when we look at the new strategy as well and those changes in business as I mentioned very strong foundations built in university services this is about taking us to the next level and uh, with the structural changes that Duncan introduced including creating a COO portfolio how do we organise ourselves better so uh, back to what I said earlier there's some fabulous things that have been done and we need to we need to uh, to capitalise on those and absolutely nothing done wrong.
0: So, so for th- for those those colleagues who have been part of uh, creating university services um, and and put the effort in, yep. there are things to take away. There's there's um, a lot of the work is going to be um, held on to and become part of the the thinking going yes. forward.
1: Yes. Yep. Uh, absolutely. If you think of the scale of the COO portfolio and the predominant activities in there were. Or are from university services, so that culture that I mentioned earlier, that um, service culture, those values, etc. We want to take those and, in a sense, extend them
0: now to the whole COO portfolio. And and what's the time frame that we're, we're working to with this?
1: Uh, so the new structure goes live on the first of August. Um, there'll be work between now and then to. Um, clarify as much as possible uh, and then inevitably there'll be a a, uh, a phase two where we have to nut through some of the, the more detailed level matters. Um, and I'm not calling them issues because I don't think there are any issues. I think all of these are opportunities. And um, so that'll take a, a, a little bit of time. But effectively, one August is it. Um, and uh, um, we will... We'll move forward from there
0: and um, and so you mentioned before um, uh, enabling operational excellence uh, as a program yep. do you want to just give us a bit of a sense too of of, of what you see there and, and and how that might play out over time
1: yep so the the first part of that has has not just been focused on structure it's been about um, looking at um, how we will um uh, manage and govern the new structure, how we will deal with a range of the reviews and um, uh, findings that have come out of uh, uh, of particularly the, the MOM work stream um, work that was led by a range of uh, our senior colleagues. We need to make sure that we pick up the the, uh, the successes that were raised in those and the pain points and deal with those. So we're developing a plan to to do that um there are a couple of areas where we will focus more specifically early on um and there will be we will come up with I should say a plan out for the next two and a half years as to what areas we're going to um to address in what order in terms of taking the operations to the next level um one of the ways of doing that is to look end to end so i've mentioned that you know, forty percent of operations are done in academic divisions. In some academic divisions, it's it's more than forty percent, um, and um, so we need to look across the university. So we will specify a program of work in that regard, um, and uh, in terms of uh, specific areas to look at, because Duncan is passionate about the student. Uh, experience and with the work that's being done by uh, Richard James and, and and Mark Considine at the moment in leading the the student life um, uh, review, then I think we need to bring those two together and have a specific focus on the uh, the student experience going forward and making sure we've got that right to underpin students at the heart. Um, it would be remiss of us not to address that yeah, one head yeah, on. Yeah. Um, and so we will uh, Develop that over the next couple of months, and then uh, we'll um, let the
0: broader community know how we're going to roll that out. I think it's um, a great opportunity to really tackle some of those different practices that are done across all of the academic divisions and, and faculties, and and sometimes uh, folk in uh, in in, the, in a service context pick up pieces of work that have started somewhere else and finished somewhere else and so it's a part in a, a kind of linear almost yep. uh, process. So taking that whole view that end to end view is going to throw out lots of opportunities for us to 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 pursue I think and and given my background I'm I'm particularly excited yep. thinking about the, the some of the course rules and the implications of of some of those. Um so so how do you see that playing out because There'll be a hell of a lot of opportunities. So, mm. how do you filter down to to prioritise some?
1: Uh, well, that'll be a key role for the the COO portfolio leadership team. Um, we're going to have to to, as University Services has done for the last number of years, have you know bi- business as usual is not going to stop. We've got to keep delivering the service planning and the uh, the operations that underpin that, um, and then we'll need to uh, work carefully through the The list of opportunities that are there and prioritize those, but prioritize those with our uh, academic division colleagues and the academic community. So um, we do want to make sure that that voice is heard loud and clear, and that the priorities that we are um, setting out. Are aligned to those those views, and of course the strategic priorities that will emerge from the twenty thirty strategy. So um, it will be a uh, it will be a, a balancing act as to get those priorities right. But um, as a leadership team, I think we're well equipped to do that and to to uh, to, to take account of what the university needs are um, and and focus on those areas. And they may they may you know. There will have to be investment in some of those things to get those yeah. uh, improvements and uh, benefits, um, and we're prepared to do that as well. So it, it's not a you must do everything within what you've got. There's a recognition that um, clearly some of these changes will require some upfront investment, and we're we're prepared to do that. Um, and I would also not like our academic division colleagues to think this is about centralisation. It's not. There's a a completely open mind about where the operations um, should best be delivered from.
0: And I think that that's an important point. Some of the conversations with, with academic uh, divisions over the last few months have been very much about is the, r- the line in the right place? Do we have things sitting in the right place? And uh, an openness to engage in those conversations. Yep. So, so, again, I think that's uh, um, an interesting and an exciting opportunity for us to explore. Um, a question uh, that. I think
1: that's a. Much- shows the maturity of the Melbourne operating model as well. That we've got to that, that point where we can point.
0: have that yep. open yep. conversation. Yeah. Um, one, one of the questions, and, and you used Inflection Point and McKinsey is a consulting company you've talked about, Inflection Point, and the way that you transition to that next kind of generation service environment um, is much more uh, ability to work across yep. boundaries and portfolios and, and so forth. Yep. Um, how how What thoughts do you have about how we're going to get over the opportunities that always exist to just revert to, to type and revert to your own little comfort zone and your own area rather than thinking in that sort of cross-functional way yep
1: well um i myself am guilty of retreating to areas of comfort from time to time but uh, i think we all do <laughs> uh, i think it's a human uh, human nature um so i think um part of what i talked about earlier is important there so firstly we no longer have University Services Division and 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 Chancery Finance and Chancery, you know, Digital and Data. We're all in the COO portfolio. So I think bringing all of that together and having the one leadership team across that uh, will inevitably provide us with a better opportunity to to break down those those um, what might even have just been perceived barriers, or indeed in some cases perhaps they were actual barriers. So uh, we're all in. You know, we're all in the same boat, and um, so uh, it's for all of our benefits to actually work closely together. Um, in terms of interactions with what um, you might call the strategic portfolios, um, we will uh, establish, uh, I think, a more direct understanding of what they think the priorities and KPIs should be for the operations, and we'll bring that into the... Um, the uh, into the thinking um, and that will ensure that we are completely aligned with with what they are um, expecting um, and that should break down barriers as well in terms of working with the academic divisions um, uh, in how we set up the mechanisms to uh, to communicate and and work directly together um, i I would like to uh, to establish again without getting into uh, more meetings, uh, but to establish a, a forum of some sort that enables those uh, professional leaders in the in the academic divisions to come together with the the COO portfolio, um, <coughs> in particular, not to exclude other parts of of Chancery, but the COO portfolio. And I think actually, having just mentioned that in that way, it is important. For everybody to realise that the COO portfolio is part of Chancery, mm. so uh, this isn't about creating though a, a massive Chancery. Again, it's about the way of working rather than thinking about divisions. Um, but I think um, it is we, we do need some mechanisms where there's a, a a formal coming together and a consideration of the priorities and the issues and the you know the next the next steps.
0: So, so maybe not bias committees. No
1: bias committees. No, the bias committees themselves. I will can hear a sigh of relief. Cease out there. to exist. Yes, <laughs> University Services Board will cease to exist, and the Melbourne Operating Model Oversight Committee (MOMOC) will cease to exist.
0: So, so Alan, as as we're stepping into this this future, how how uh, how do you feel? A- excited? Uh, daunted? Um, you've you've got a, a group that must be over two thousand. Uh, in 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 staff numbers and yeah. and many millions um what's what's the what 's the thing that um excites you the most or perhaps daunts you the most or both <laughs> of those <laughs> the excitement 's daunting right um, uh,
1: so uh excitement absolutely um when duncan first put the c o o portfolio and the, the bringing together of admin and finance and, and university services to me um I must admit i was a little daunted by the uh, the prospect um but the more i thought about it and for many of the things we've discussed the more i saw the opportunity here particularly under duncan's uh way of looking at things for us to make a, to make a huge difference and to uh you know be a huge contributor to the way the university goes forward so i think that is exciting because it you know It it sets the next challenge and um, uh, how we can take things to the next level. Um, I think in terms of um, uh, six months into this year almost uh, now, um, what I've really... Feels like longer. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it does, yes. Um, uh, One of the things I've really been impressed with is the leadership group in university services and working uh, much more closely with that group. And uh, that adds to the excitement because I think the uh, the group that we have has got a a great uh, set of skills and capabilities and capacity to make that difference that we talked about. So I'm really looking forward to working with an expanded leadership group directly. Um, there was you know interaction before, but because of those divisional boundaries, it was. Um, it was less than uh, than optimal, I would say, and now we have the opportunity to uh, to uh, to make that optimal. So um, I'm really uh, optimistic. I'm enthusiastic about um, taking this forward and uh, and and really making that difference. And I'm really looking forward to working with the the new leadership team and, and the team more broadly. Whether I ever get to meet all of the two thousand or so folk, I'm not entirely sure. Uh,
0: but that would be a that would be a good goal to have. And um, over the last six months, we've worked uh, much more closely together. And as I started by saying, we kind of had uh, distant contact early earlier uh, in both our careers. And um, but the last six months has been has been great, and I've I've enjoyed the opportunity. Um, I wouldn't say like Theresa May, it's been the, the dream of my lifetime, but it's been a, a, a great opportunity to work both with you and to... Well, hopefully it's to ending the... a lot better than with <laughs> Theresa May anyway. So. Well, there's certainly no tears and not from me. Um, we always end these um, these discussions with, with some, some quick questions around, um, you know, what's your favourite place on campus and, and oh, just yes. to get yep. to know you a little bit better. So, yep. so favourite place on campus? I
1: think that's, that is a tricky one and uh, I've not sitting on the fence here but having spent a lot of my career working in you know what you might call collins street or as the labour party described the top end of town which which, um, (laughs) didn't go down well um uh, you know coming out of a building here or coming out of your office here into what is an, an outstanding environment i just think without being a fence sitter the whole thing is just marvellous and the um uh and the activity around the place now of course we want to increase that and activate the campus 24 7 if at all possible uh but right at the minute I think that that you mentioned the landscaping and so Mm -hmm. forth um it is a, a beautiful environment to work in if I had to select one place um uh, I think, and, and it's very recent, but when you go into the old quad now and the uh, the, uh, the returning of it to its uh, original state, I think is just a magnificent um, uh, piece of work by um, you know a range of people across the university. But to, to realise that vision, to realise it exactly, yeah. and when you go back to you know to see what was hidden and covered for tens yeah, generations, of years, yeah. uh, it's fabulous. So that's a lovely. Sort of place to uh, to uh, to spend some time. Not that I've spent that much time there, but it it has a very good feel to it. And you mentioned actually now I've gone to more than one. The mm-hmm. new the uh, Ian Potter Southbank Centre, the mm. new home of the Conservatorium. That's just a fabulous piece of work by all concerned as well.
0: Mm. And. Um I understand you're a, a, a beer, well, I've actually seen you with, with beer, and uh, in fact, we've shared a few beers. We have, What's, uh, what's your favourite beer?
1: Uh, well, as a, as a, uh, a Westie, uh, I'm uh, particularly keen on two microbreweries in the West, one called Two Birds, which some people may know, and another called Hop Nation, both of which are uh, at a pinch within walking distance of where I live in Yarraville, so... Uh, uh, they they're my favourites at
0: the moment. And the real test of popularity is: are they on sale in University House?
1: Uh, two Birds is, and I enjoyed a Two Birds the other night. Uh, Hop Nation
0: I haven't seen in University House yet. I might have to have a chat to them about that and see whether we can arrange that. Yeah, and and music um, and or, and or an artist that um, you know has, has particularly inspired you, or or, or or that you return to when you're when you're just wanting to escape. Well, this is going to sound very cheesy, but
1: my partner, um, who is doing a PhD at the Conservatorium, is actually a Scottish folk singer. So um, I must admit, until I met Fiona, which is uh, far too long ago than I care to remember, um, I was probably uh, not as... Uh, Not such a folk aficionado as I am now, but uh, my spare time is taken up with uh, accompanying her to various folk festivals around the country and indeed the world. Um, So we're off to um, the National Celtic Festival this weekend down at Port Arlington, so this is a plug for them, for anybody who's got a free weekend. Um, It's a fabulous thing to do and and Fiona's on there, so uh, uh, I I like to think of myself as a folky roadie, but... um, I don't have the uh, the muscles or the tattoos yet. <laughs> Wait,
0: well, it's still early. You still is, got, yes, you've it's still got to I it's mean possible. tattoos can be at any time of life, <laughs> That's so true. Um, and and uh, you, you went to University of Manchester, University of Birmingham. Clearly um you've not got a an accent from, from Melbourne. No. So um how come you you, you landed here? Uh so I
1: will put my plug in for uh, being a passionate Scot. So I was born in Glasgow. He's got
0: cufflinks with the Uh,
1: uh, Scottish flag on. I do, and I wear those at certain times. Yeah, you've told me about the certain times. (laughs) watch out for the cufflinks. (laughs) Um, uh, My parents moved to England when I was six, and so I was brought up at school uh, in England. Um, But like a number of people, um, when I left university, I became a chartered accountant. At that time, basically people either stayed in the profession with an aim to become a partner or they looked to go overseas or they looked to move into industry. Um, for for reasons uh, that are really down to uh, my group of friends at the time, I had a couple of friends who were passionate about Australia and wanted to move here but hadn't managed it. So I went in one day and said I'd quite like to move to Australia and they said, "Go for sure, it!" sure, go for it. So I came for two years and that's over 25 years ago.
0: Well... I- Graham and I came for for 2 years and uh we've been you're here 20 years yeah, so it's a yeah, similar story. One. Yeah, exactly. had a, a similar experience. And of course, you know, in this week of uh, uh victories for Liverpool in the the Champions League <laughs> in Europe which I know for that a number why you're of wearing people the red Absolutely. And yeah. you know, it's n- I've read all week. Yeah. Um close to my heart at least. Um football teams or, or, or AFL teams. I know you're a North Melbourne. Correct.
1: Yeah, so um actually when I first came to Australia and um uh, the first thing anybody says to you, is, as migrants will know, is who you're you going to barrack for yep. and once you work out what on earth they're talking about. Um, I actually chose Fitzroy at that stage. They were still around. Right. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, before they went crue- north. cruelly, um, cruelly uh, killed off, um, in my view. Uh, then um, uh, moved to north because um you can't live in melbourne really and not have a football team at yeah. least in name even if you don't um, sort of go to every match um so yes i'm a north fan and i i do like the shin bonus spirit um approach so uh, we might bring that to the COO portfolio um and on the on the soccer or the the european or the world game view of the world um uh i am a manchester city supporter so oh. uh, i I look upon Liverpool's European or Champions League win as a consolation for Liverpool. It's the one Man City didn't really want to bother
0: about uh, this year. I think on that note we'll end. Um, so, Alan, thanks, thanks for your time today. I'm sure that uh, colleagues will look forward to having an opportunity to have more interaction with you and, yep. and more discussion with you as, um, as we go through the rest of the year and beyond. But uh, thank you for your time. Thank, thank you, you, you for Neil. sharing your thoughts and uh, look forward to working with you. Uh,
1: likewise.